This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. On today's show, we'll be hearing from a young woman with an international background and a passion for sustainability, Giati Rator. Giati is a special project manager for Defend Our Future, a division of the Environmental Defense Fund. Through her work at EDF, she aims to support systemic change for climate action across sectors and strengthen the youth-led climate movement. She's also an active youth advocate for climate change at several international platforms through her engagement with the UN agencies. So without further ado, let's hear from Kiati. Thanks for coming on the show today, Kiati. Very excited to get to share with our listeners about your background here earlier in your career. Start us off by telling us a bit about your role as a special projects manager. Hi, Adam, and hi to everyone listening. Uh, it's fantastic to be here. And I guess I could start with telling you a bit about Defend Our Future and dive into the work that I'm doing here. Uh, so briefly, Defend Our Future is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization uh, that is dedicated to empowering young people from across the political spectrum to leave, lead on climate advocacy efforts. So be it supporting local communities, to voicing bold opinions to the lawmakers, political leaders, and, and their business leaders. And as a project manager with the Defend team, I'm leading our segment of work that focuses on engaging youth that is students and young professionals, to drive the private sector ambitions on climate. And uh, that could be through engaging with their future or current employers. So yeah, with that, what what does the the day-to-day look like? Like if you're there, start of a week, something like that, what kind of projects are you working on? Yeah, I don't think any two days are the same, right? Of course, the overarching intent is to keep in mind how we are best supporting young people to create an impact and what that impact is. But broadly speaking, if I have to break down my work into a few buckets, that would be one is to keep myself updated with what is happening in this arena of climate advocacy. I do my research, get the relevant information to our audience, and especially identifying and highlighting where young people can take action and influence their decision makers for climate progress. So that is the messaging and content through blogs on our website, social media, etc. The second in connection to that is to develop resources such as guides or training materials and, and such that can be effective in educating, supporting and empowering young people. Third, I would say, is to engage more closely and directly with the audience through dialogues, events, workshops, trainings, and the intent there is to share our resources and amplify the youth voices through through these platforms. So while most of Defense work is focused within the U.S., I have been active with the broader youth movement on international stage as well. Mm. So I have had the opportunity to represent defend and youth priorities, broadly speaking, at global platforms such as the United Nations, global youth summits, etc. Also, lastly, I guess we, we are always thinking about new ways, innovative ways to reach to a broader network, more effective ways to create a robust support system for our audience, 
and the list goes on. Yeah, I know. I kind of got introduced to you myself through one of the uh, webinar events that you were doing here recently. And uh, that's something talking about getting the message out there more that those are common, of course, these days, Mm -hmm. all the virtual events to uh, how to advocate with people out in the audience, out in the field and get the word out there, really be able to engage with them. Exactly. See, it works, right? We got connected (laughs) here. Right. Well, with the work you're doing, how has that changed, if it has changed, uh, with the new administration? Hmm. Good question. See, um, the thing is, Environmental Defense Fund and EDF works broadly in a multidisciplinary approach to find practical and lasting solutions to environmental issues. You know, we work with folks from across the political spectrum and we continue to do that. But it is definite shift in our approach to advocacy considering we have a new administration that has promised to take bold steps for climate progress. You know, President Biden ran on a pro-climate platform with a focus on jobs, and that resonated with young voters. And Mm. it wasn't surprising that young people responded to it and voted in in record numbers. And that, in a way, showed us a precursor to the shifting demographics that our leaders will need to cater to moving forward. And, you know, I think a lot happened in the recent past. I feel Mm. that the pandemic, the ensuing economic crisis has in some ways provided an opportunity to help, you know, reimagine our economy, our society. And now with the new administration that campaigned on taking action, a Congress that is more supportive of change and a mobilized youth movement that is demanding for that change. I think now is a good time for our leaders to find that political courage to address these intersecting prices and take bold actions. That certainly is the hope. Yeah. Uh, now it's a matter <laughs> of seeing how much of it will translate into reality. I know it is, it's always a balance you talk about, especially with Congress and all that and all these areas. I know working with that kind of stuff, it's to me always interesting to see just there are so many different competing priorities here. I know right now that the administration is working on an infrastructure package. And of course, all that kind of environmental and climate change focus is a big part of that as they focus on transportation and everything else. And so, yeah, definitely hard to, uh, hard to keep them focused on the big priorities. Yeah, I think this election was just the beginning of a long fight for climate that really, like, I, I think as an advocate, as um, you know, part of the youth movement, I think holding the leaders accountable to their promise is really crucial in, in going forward and meeting these targets. It certainly is wild, at least from my perspective, to see, yeah, just how much of a fight it is rather than a let's just do the things that need to be done kind of aspect. But I know for me, at least being in the D.C. area and around this kind of political realm as I have been that it, everything uh, is, is a fight and is a battle even when it when it seems uh, like maybe it doesn't have to be for for you what's been the biggest thing we're talking about the different work that we're doing in your organization what's the biggest thing you've learned in working for a global environmental organization well you know when you're working for a bigger goals such as that of an environmental organization, which is to make sure 
we do not destroy our planet and our future. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you a holistic perspective. And that taught me two important things, I would say. One is perseverance. If you mm-hmm. are trying to create systemic shift and generate political will, you need to have that determination to keep advocating for the issues and keep pushing your decision makers. And the other is collaboration. I think something that is very strikingly different in my experience working within the private sector and now with Defend Our Future at EDF is that there is a lot more collaboration and partnerships across organizations and across stakeholders. Because after all, many entities are working towards a common goal, right? And which is not tied to gathering, generating monetary profits like like it is in private sector in in most cases. Mm. So I found that there is that understanding in in the way we work and collaborate with other organizations that there is tremendous power in this collective action to find solutions and move different levers to to achieve our targets. Mm. Yeah, certainly a lot of work that needs to be done in, Mm. in that regard. And speaking of global, I mean, I know you've got kind of a cool global background story yourself, having originally come from India to where you went to undergrad, uh, yeah, at uh, now you eventually ending up here in the U.S. What led to you making the, the leaps that you have, all the changes, and what have you learned along the way? Mm, you're right. I was born in India, grew up there, got my undergraduate degree in architecture, So I I started my career as an architect where my work was to, of course, build design buildings and, and, you know, focus on the construction details and such. But I found myself very interested in green architecture, sustainability practices within my industry. So I was doing that and got involved in that. And it got me to think more and more about the impacts of my work, Mm. not just the impacts on the building footprint, but I started thinking in the larger context of how it affects the urban fabric, what are the implications on the people around the community and so on. Hmm. So when I went ahead to uh, grad school to the planning program here in the US, I immediately got drawn towards understanding more about climate impacts, climate strategies and policies, especially because I think at the center of it lies the acknowledgement and understanding that it is a complex issue with Mm. so many intersecting causes and impacts, you know, everything, including social, economic, political, technological factors, and and, and the list goes on, right? And I suppose the disconnects, gaps, lack of political will, and the need for cross-sectoral and global collaborations were really glaring to me. And that that kind of set me on my journey to bridge those gaps. So while I was building my knowledge in this area through my grad school, I got involved in climate advocacy with the youth constituency at the United Nations. And long story short, I'm here doing what I do. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that is quite the journey having gone through all that and now ended up here realizing that the intersectionality of everything leads to uh, your ability to now focus on your role taking on this big challenge. Mm -hmm. And I know you've mentioned here now talking about that global 
aspect and background, uh, the work that you've done volunteering with the UN, what, tell us a little more about that. Like, what does that involve? What's that experience been like? Sure. Um, well, it feels great to be on at, at the table, right, in this right. youth movement. And I got engaged with uh, Yango, which is the UN FCCC uh, Youth Constituency. Hmm. So, um, you know, I think the youth movement broadly has come a long way from when we were young people were trying hmm. to get their voices heard through marches and rallies to actually getting that seat at the table to be able to talk to decision makers at global platforms. So it felt empowering to be selected as one of the youth representatives at the event last year on World Environment Day. An opportunity like this is, you know, in my opinion, a testament to the effort of billions of young activists from around the globe who have helped carve out a space in, at, at this international platform and has enabled youth voices to be included in decision-making processes. So at, at the event and broadly speaking for the youth movement, I think you know, young people are not just very rightly so pointing out and highlighting the gaps and the need for action, but also coming forward with uh, concrete solutions and want to be part of getting there yeah so with all that work that you're doing both with your job and as you were just describing getting the youth involved in the volunteer capacity that you're doing what are the but the favorite parts of the work that you're doing now and have done and then the flip side of that some of the more challenging aspects <laughs> yeah I, I think my favorite parts i'd say there are two things one I feel I'm really happy that I found a path, an area of work that I'm really passionate about. Mm. And that gives me so much energy to keep at it and keep moving forward, keep working hard. And it is not just about where I am right now, but the journey so far. There's so much to learn every step of the way. And I hope that continues. My favorite part is that I've had that opportunity to work internationally, you know, mm. in India, here in, in the US and my brief stint in, at Europe, in Indonesia. I, I worked with folks from such varied professional and cultural backgrounds, nationalities. I think it always blows my mind to see what amazing perspectives people bring to the table. There is just always so much to learn from, from people around. Mm. To answer your question about some challenging aspects of my work, I think Having a big goal as a North Star is great. It keeps you focused and gives you perspective, but it is also challenging to know that there's so much more to be done to get there. So, you know, with advocacy, we don't always see an immediate result. It doesn't give you that satisfaction of, you know, you finish a project and see the impact. But then sometimes I have to think big picture, see that, we are moving in the right direction, take that pause and keep myself motivated, I guess. Right. The impact in that kind of work, it is definitely a softer area. But I guess for me, when I've looked at all of that, it's been a like, yeah, you don't have the necessarily the smaller gains impact where you can see the results of your work. But when something does change, it feels like a big impact all at once that, you know, was 
built up and built up and then eventually achieved. Right. So for anybody out there hearing about uh, the work that you're doing and potentially considering joining in this fight themselves, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I think I would definitely say that people should be open to learning and exploring. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I did not, I spoke about my journey and I did not exactly plan to be doing what I'm doing now, but mm-hmm. looking back, everything makes sense. It adds up, right? It's true that climate change and sustainability is a vast and complex area, but I, I, I would say start where you can experience and learn and you'll find what aligns with your interest and expertise. And, and then you can build on that. So as, don't be shy to reach out to others for advice and support. Either it is for finding the career path or engaging in advocacy initiatives. You'd be surprised how helpful people can be and how many resources are out there to support and, and encourage young people to, to engage. Hmm. And you mentioned there just how you hadn't planned on getting into the work that you're doing and really focusing on doing that kind of exploring and figuring out what it is that resonates with you as an individual. If there were anything else that you could be doing, do you have any idea what that would be? (laughs) That's such an interesting question, Adam. Well, I don't think I would be doing anything completely unrelated to my current field of work, as you can probably tell that I really love what I do. But if I had to pick, I suppose I'd be working on development projects somewhere in the global south, Hmm. probably geared towards climate resilience strategies, maybe focused on women empowerment or community development broadly. You know, I'm saying this because I'm thinking of right now of my experience working with the low-income communities in Indonesia. Hmm. So it was very close to the ground, close to the communities, developing projects and solutions that could help build resilience and support the economic development of these communities. I think that work was very fascinating and I I could have um, done more of that. And you've mentioned amidst all the different things that you have done and just you have and how you've ended up here, the different things you've gained in terms of your education and of course the global experiences you've had across different nations. But if there were three people or resources that have been the most influential to you along that way what have they been and what impact have they had people I have to say there's my parents who have had the strong you know they've been the strong force behind me always encouraging me inspiring me to move forward and more importantly so in a meaningful way you know my father has strength and discipline and my mother her strength and personality as a strong woman is something else and I think I get this notion of thinking big picture and to have a guiding vision to make meaningful impacts in life it comes from my mother you know of course there's everything I imbibe growing up but the interesting part is this Adam even today when I speak to my mother she often encourages me and the conversations compel me to pause and give a thought to where I'm heading. Mm. You know, to give an example, um, in our culture, our elders usually give blessings, you know, when you feed them or on birthdays. So usually people would say, you know, have a long life, have a healthy and prosperous life. My mother, she says, 
I hope you do great things for the humanity and the <laughs> environment, you know, and that thought kind of stays with me. Well, that is my personal story, but if I have to share resources for careers and climate advocacy, well, I work in the space where we create these resources, so I would <laughs> encourage our listeners to check out the Defend Our Future website, EDF's Empowering Generation Climate page, um, that could connect you all to relevant resources at EDF. You should check out the Degrees podcast that gives mm. advice on climate-driven careers. Apart from EDF, I feel if you're interested in any organization or field of work, just reach out to the people for advice. Use platforms like LinkedIn. Follow up with people you meet at networking sessions or events virtually these days. But either you'll find the right people to give you advice or they can always point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's true. And it sounds like for you that between the people that have been in your life, definitely your your parents, as you described, as well as the people that are out there in the world looking or that are currently doing the work that you might want to be doing. Uh, there are definitely the resources out there, especially these days, is this area grows more and more. Uh, and it sounds like those resources have, of course, also had their impact in you here early in your career. Mm -hmm. Well, if there were one thing that you could tell our listeners about either work or life or anything else that you'd like to share, what would that one thing be? Well, maintain that passion and have that fire in your belly, I would say. See, the truth is this, a job becomes a job and we get busy getting our day-to-day -day work done, the projects done. But take those moments to pause, think, seek advice, course correct, and keep moving forward. Have that, you know, passion life. Definitely something that is a challenge at times to maintain when it becomes that <laughs> grind. And like you were describing, if you don't see the results of your work, but certainly important to keep going knowing that you are one of many keeping uh, <laughs> working towards that ultimate goal exactly absolutely true well that's just about all i have for you but where can our listeners connect with you if they'd like to hear more about your global early career story <laughs> and the work that you do sure folks can connect with me on linkedin i'm always active look up for kyati.org environment defense fund my Twitter handle is at Kyati Rathor. You know, I often share resources, events, blogs on these platforms, but also you can find my blogs and other content um, that, get that gets published on the Defend Our Future website. So check that out. Yeah, and as always, I'll have links to all of that down in the show notes for our listeners so they can easily access it and connect with you as well as learn some more about the work that you're doing for themselves. Perfect. Well, definitely. Thanks for taking the time to, amidst all of your different appearances that you make virtually these days, come on the show. And thanks for sharing your story. This is fantastic. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Hopefully, you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from. If you want to learn more about today's guest, how you can contact them, and explore the organization they work for, check out the show notes. But that'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring altruist.